Hey, wonderfuls, welcome to episode 315 of the podcast, also known as Week One of Max Fundrive. I bet you didn't expect that little, little sweetness I put on the end of that, huh? Friends, colleagues, comrades, buddies, amigos, amis, janitors. It's my very first Max Fun Drive. I'm very excited. I always felt like uh, watching the Max Fun Drive happen on the outside. Um, it was like this cool club of people who were sort of more in the, like the public radio realm. Something about fundraising seemed super legit to me. <laughs> now I'm on the inside. I got to tell you, feels real good to be on the inside. I have known uh, Jesse Thorne, who founded Maximum Fun for almost 20 years. I have known many of the people on its various podcasts for many years. I've been a fan of Max Fun and its podcast for many years. So it feels like a real priv, short for privilege, to, uh, to be able to try and raise some money for these guys. So I welcome you to this episode. I welcome you to take into consideration pledging. It's a listener-supported network. Hopefully, we've already made that clear. I am uh, taking this opportunity to ask listeners to pledge your support to the show. Max Fun Drive is also a huge celebration of all things Maximum Fun. You know that. There's going to be a little more information elsewhere in the episode. For now, I want you to enjoy this episode. I do also want to give you as a special bonus, because this is the Maximum Fun my new puppy has, this very creepy stuffed koala that giggles. Yeah, it's horrifying. It haunts my dreams. And that is what it does. I only had to squeeze it once for you to hear all of that. Now I have to give it back to the dog. It's covered in slime. Enjoy. One, two, three. Okay. That's, we've proven that we can count to three, I guess. Yay. (laughs) We did it. Now, next week on our new podcast, we will make it all the way to four, five, six, if we're very, very lucky. (laughs) My four-year-old can help us if we need to. If we need to go to 20, even, she's got us covered. Ooh. That is so, that actually really is amazing. The sort of processes of a child brain wherein you know you can sort of achieve getting to a certain point but then like but all but like counting to 20 is great but then like 21 through 30 she's actually in pretty good shape because all she has to do is add listen someone may not have thought of this yet if I'm the first person that's telling her this this is gonna be very exciting (laughs) she she just adds one through nine to the word 20 she's getting right up there towards 30 the, the thing that she stumbles on, and we we mastered it with 20, but for some reason when we hit 30 and 40 it, and so on, it she can't get it, is she wants to say 29, 2010. Oh, sure. And then I'm like, no, 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 then 30. And you start over. And that's that's the hurdle that we keep. And she's like, oh, okay. And then she'll get 31 to 39, and then we're on 30, 10 again. So that's that's the thing we got to master. <laughs> I Listen, Again, this is going to be very useful information for her. She's going to tell her to go ahead and become a Francophile because the craziest thing that um, I never thought about with French uh, is, of course, that... And this is just something that I never thought about logically. And 
until I was having a conversation with my with Brandon, my sweetie, about it. Um, when he, we were sort of talking through French numbers, I was like, yeah, okay. And so then like, you know, like 80 would be like 80 something. And he was like, whoa, what, whoa, what's that? What is that? And I was like, actually, that's just saying 420s. So they like hmm. sort of gave up. Yeah. They, they sort of gave up a certain, like they're like, like now it's all just math. It's not just like things have their own numbers. <laughs> now it's like, oh, we were... I see. We've just done by bet the powers of twenty, kind of. Um, so that so That's in in a sense, they're doing that. the same thing that your daughter wants to do, which is just keep adding, just keep adding tens, and just keep adding. You know, just just kind of keep going with the numbers you know, and eventually people will do the math in their heads, and they'll realize she's still saying the right thing. I'll you know I'll tell her that she will like that because she thinks French is very fancy. So I'll tell her it's just like you know it's sort of like French. It's not French at all, but uh-huh. similar. <laughs> <laughs> Close enough. Close yep. enough. Um, have you been very, uh, I imagine that you probably are, uh, particularly with your background, but even just being, you know, sort of a smart, um, interested person, uh, have you sort of uh, experienced the, my children are science experience uh, experiments uh, part of parenting where it really is like, you're a fascinating entity. I have, and what's worse is, there is a there is a part of me now that we have two that looks at the second one and says, you know, the first time around we did this. Sure. But what if this time, That's right. <laughs> what if we tried something a little different and then we can compare results? That's right. I and think that, you owe it to ter- society. Because <laughs> the first one has turned out pretty good so far. I mean, she's four. So, you know, we got a ways to go. But like so far, she's good for four. So I, I don't want to mess up the formula too much. But I mean, there are some things we could probably improve upon, some variables we could alter. Sure. So. You want to do parenting <laughs> 2.0. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You want to <laughs> you want to throw out the old <laughs> operating system. Go ahead and just restart that computer. Um, there may be some new bugs <laughs> that you weren't aware of that you're going to have to encounter. So there may be some uh, there may be some upgrades that you're going to have to do software wise for many years to come if you decide to throw everything out and start new. <laughs> Hopefully, they will never hear this or discuss it ever. This conversation. <laughs> But also, wouldn't is there a sense of of being super aware of, like I would imagine that certain decisions or certain you know modes of parenting are just sort of happening in the moment as they're happening because you don't really have time to plan that that there's stuff that goes that goes on that just becomes more reactionary just because you know that's the nature of having children. I imagine again, sure. this is just me based on like not having kids, but. <clears throat> but studying from afar uh but but so you know that's that's the thing i fear i would do is is would be to go like now this now listen she's great about this bath thing what was it that we did to get her to you know what i mean like god it's all so fuzzy now i remember she didn't want to use the potty and then somehow we got her to use it that's you know i think what's hard about it and I mean, I guess this is true about most things. You remember the stuff that went wrong or was hard or was bad a lot more clearly necessarily than you remember the stuff that was easy. Yeah. And that's the problem is that like my my oldest, 
We had a terrible time getting her to sleep. To this day, she doesn't like to sleep much. I, I don't know. She's like the girl from the ring. She's awake oh. all the time. <laughs> she, she doesn't need much sleep. She just runs on uh, less than the average four-year-old. Yeah. Uh, but I remember vividly every step we took to get her to actually sleep through the night, more or less. I remember all those steps. And so I know, like, with our second, we've already started doing things to be better at it. But potty training with our four-year-old was so easy. It was like, I, I don't even know what happened. It was We started it, and then I feel like two weeks later, she was using the potty. And I don't... I know we did something in those two weeks. But I have no idea what we did. What did we do to get there? I don't know. Right, right. See, that's exactly it. That's what I'd be afraid of, too. You know, I just went to um, a little afternoon get together with with we went over with friends who who do have kids. So there was some some fun uh, playing on the rug happening and so forth. And mm-hmm. uh, and our friends have uh, a little girl that they're potty training and she's doing great. I mean, listen, I want to give everyone a graphic warning. It's not particularly graphic, but just in case people um, decide that they want to slightly tune out. Uh, but but they they've been very <laughs> successful on the number one side. They're really struggling with the number two side. And uh, mm. I understand that to be you know very normal but uh yes, yeah. it, in in my way of trying to be helpful <laughs> I was like listen listen there's a lot of stuff that she's 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 starting to become very aware of adults she's very aware she kind of wants to seem like a grown-up sometimes um that's a, this is a sticking point for her what I'd like to do is for all of us to just very very loudly while she's not in the room talk casually about how fun it is to poop in the toilet and that is going to <laughs> seep into her unconscious, uh, and she will she will finally succumb to that peer pressure. So uh, <laughs> we, uh, the people who were willing spent an inordinate amount of time speaking at full voice about like, you know what I love to just come <laughs> home and do sometimes, especially if you've been traveling. It just feels so good to poop in the potty, doesn't it? Don't you love pooping in the potty? I do. I love that tactic. I think that's really good. And what'll be, we could try that with our youngest when it comes time to potty train her. And what'll be great is our older one, Charlie, she will be all too willing to be part of that and have a very loud conversation about pooping. I guarantee. It's so. going to be great. So we can use her. It's going to be great. If it, depending on, uh, depending on what everyone feels is the most adult, you could either do like it. It could happen at like a high tea where everybody is sipping tea with their pinkies out. It could happen with fake martinis. I just want you to feel free to just cut loose and whatever <laughs> you think is going to be the most quote grown up scenario. Uh, feel free to dive right in. <laughs> I'm going to make sure that when we do that, I want to, because we have, we have friends who also have kids that are around our kids' age, and then we have some friends who don't have kids, and I only want to invite anybody who doesn't have kids to that interaction please. and make them be part of it. <laughs> please, please. <laughs> to uh, make it as uncomfortable for everyone as possible. <laughs> it's, it, it's, a pl- it's a pleasure. It would be an absolute pleasure. Um, well, the, uh, those get-togethers are always the ones where I realize um, – that I am very much, and I think honestly, it's a re, it's a re, it's a reason. Certainly not the reason. A lot of it has just been like you know what happens to many people, which is you sort of life keeps throwing things at you that make it hard to just make that final decision to go ahead and take the plunge and do it. And so sometimes I think that my life has been that thing where it's like, oh well, I let circumstance sort of dictate 
the big stuff and and then suddenly I go, oh, I never got around to having kids. Like I'm very much one of those uh, of this generation. Um, mm-hmm. But but I think another part of it is that I have long spent the, this time being the fun friend, the fun like kid mm-hmm. that like the like oh we go over to our friend Oscars and Ursula's at Thanksgiving and I just immediately go over to August their kid and I just play with her like that's <laughs> to the point where she thought I was a child and she thought Brandon was my father um <laughs> which we only realized towards the end of the night the first time this but happened as a parent, because that's so appreciated. we were like yeah, yeah. We we were like I had barely spent any time with any of the adults at the at the get together and I was and then I was like, "Oh, I think we have to go home." And August was like, "Can you ask your daddy if you guys can stay a little bit longer?" Oh, no. And I was like, "Can I ask my what now? My who now?" And she points at Brandon. She's like, "Will your dad let you or could you come over tomorrow?" And I was like, "Oh, Aww. you Oh, I'm so and like then then you just sort of look back you reflect back on the whole night and think like oh she thinks I'm just a giant child because I'm 5'10 so I'm just like a gigantic child who's able to reach all the toys on the top shelf uh but that is such a wonderful role to play in your in your parent friends live that I so appreciate my friends who because I you know it's kind of it's it's still novel I think in some ways Mm -hmm. it's like hey kids let's play with the kids and it's like it's not exhausting you're not (laughs) you're not dragging in your own parenting woes into the scenario and so yeah there's part of Mm -hmm. me that really has been like oh no I'm 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 so comfortable like just being really fun and like if a kid has a tantrum I'm the patient one who's like you know what I got this but That's I feel great, like though. the second I had kids, I'd be like, oh, I hate children. Uh, <laughs> I mean, not that there aren't certain things that take over that, that keep you keep you from sure. feeling that way most sure. of the time. But did you it's, do you it's, feel it's interesting? Oh, go ahead, sorry. I, oh, I was going to say I wasn't you know, it's weird. I was never much of especially like a, a baby person. I was never the first one to be like, oh, can I hold your baby or can I see your baby? It's just not. It's not that I don't like babies. I like babies just fine. Yeah. I, it was just never me until yeah. I had mine. And now yeah. mine, I'm that way about. But even to this day, I'm still, I like other kids, but I'm not necessarily interested in like doing a bunch of stuff with them. Totally. <laughs> like, totally. They look great. They're so cool. <laughs> they I'm going to go back great. to mine. <laughs> they look great. Like it's a nice manicure. Like I like admiring other yeah. people's manicures, but I don't need to get a manicure. Hey, they look great. They yep, look great over there. Awesome. I'm good. I have these and I like them. And um, that's fine. I, it was weird. It was a, it really flipped for me. Like, oh, okay, thank goodness. I, my kids, I really do like and I'm interested in because I was never much of like a kid baby person until I had them. Yeah. No, I think you're, I mean, you're, you, I definitely have uh, friends who are like that. And it, it, I, in, and again, in, in the, in the way that, uh, pet owners are obnoxiously light, make light comparisons to children, which I, uh, have mm-hmm. never believed in and have resisted, but now I have a puppy and, uh, I feel like <laughs> all bets are off. <laughs> like I really would like whenever anyone would be like, well, you know, it's like my dogs are my kids. I'm always like, uh, let's not go there. I have also, I have dogs, but I don't want to be the person that says my dogs are my kids. Cause all of my friends with children will roll their eyes at me and slap me. Um, 
there uh, the, wait, the, maybe, and that remains true yeah <laughs> yeah that, it, it, I, that that remains true but i've never had a puppy before and that actually in that has caused me to want to make those comparisons in a way that i i didn't really feel like i wanted to before but but when you go through house training and this child is chewing on everything slash this puppy is chewing on everything like those moments are a little bit more you know like for the first time sure. I'm having the sort of like oh I can't get anything done like I just have to watch this young thing all the time to make sure that it doesn't kill itself by chewing on something it shouldn't and swallowing it and then it's all over mm-hmm. so there's a there's there's some of that happening and I and I am very very aware that it is still like 0.001% of what you know parenting a a, a baby <laughs> but that's still I mean that's that's a big part of the job in all honesty. Once they especially once they start crawling, that's just the majority of your day is spent keeping them from choking on things that they find yeah. on the floor. I mean, yeah. That's that. <laughs> So, it's not that far off in some cases. There you go. There you go. Uh I hope he never gets up onto just walking around on two legs all the time cuz things are really going to be tough <laughs> if this puppy uh becomes uh, bipedal. Um, or you take that show on the road, you know, there are, oh, there are actually, a lot of TV a, shows. That's a good point. That would, yeah. We, yeah. we <laughs> all love seeing four legged animals walk on two legs. It's still uh, very mm-hmm. novel to us. Uh, did you grow exactly. up with pets? Did you have pets when you, when you guys were growing up? We, we did my, uh, I have two sisters and my, my sisters and I have always loved cats. We've always been cat people. My dad did not like any animals ever. And Mm -hmm. so we would have this sort of system where we would beg and plead and finally talk my dad into letting us have a cat because my parents, my mom was always fine with it, but my dad was always against. And so we would like get a cat. And then after a while, because inevitably we, we weren't doing like we weren't cleaning the litter box and doing the stuff we were supposed to do. My dad would just find somebody that he knew and give our cat away. Oh, no, this happened more than once. More than once, oh, like cats no. would just, and we'd be like, no, no. And he's like, you didn't take care of it. And so then like this cycle would repeat itself, like us begging and pleading. And then after a couple of years, like, fine, you can get a cat again. And the same thing. I, But always, we had this whole series. I had a lot of Isadoras. I don't know why I always wanted to name a cat Isadora, but I had a whole, <laughs> a whole like line, a monarchy, a line of Isadoras. <laughs> Wait, did the did your sisters have any say in this, or were they also very on board for Isadora? Uh, my as the oldest, I I think I got to like dictate a lot. So mm-hmm. yeah, Isadora was I, I got to decide that. <laughs> Isadora, God, where did that come from? I don't know. It was the it was I named the first cat I ever had Isadora, and I had a whole line of Isadoras. <laughs> we tried one time. My dad's name is Tommy, and one time we named a cat. <laughs> Tommy girl. Oh, very sneaky. If he falls in to love with his, to... na- with his namesake, mm-hmm. he'll never be able to let that cat go. We thought that would yeah. that would work and that yeah. it still didn't work. It's still <laughs> Sometimes love... he would it was like he'd show us like a house he would drive by and he goes, "You know who lives in that house?" <laughs> oh, oh no. Isadora 3. Oh, it's like God. no. That's amazing. I mean, I feel like did you do, do you remember his resistance? becoming like 
less and less as the the experiences of of these cats went on because he just knew the inevitability of getting rid of them anyway did he start to agree more quickly like yeah sure you guys want another Isadora sure let's uh let's try that out see how that flies definitely definitely because my my youngest sister who is she's much younger than me she was actually born when I was a senior in high school uh she was allowed through her childhood not just to have cats she had a dog at one point she had a guinea pig. I think she she had all kinds of animals that my dad would never have let us have. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think over the years, my middle sister and I, we, we wore him down to the point where yep. my youngest sister got the benefit of that and got to have lots of animals. Yeah, in no her kidding. Childhood. Did they did they all and, and so, yeah, they all they all made it through. Nobody um, was readopted or reassimilated into a new household, a new mysterious household. <laughs> the only one that the dog and we should have known like it's just none of us are, dogs require a lot more at least my perception they require more time and energy than I think cats do mm-hmm. cats just kind of hang around at least that's what it's we have we have two cats now and they're yeah. just they just kind of hang around like if we're sitting somewhere they might want to hang out with us but most of the time as long as we're feeding them and and they have water and clean their litter boxes like they're they're chill. They don't they don't need too much from us. My perception is that when you have a dog, that's a little bit more of a relationship. Like you got to put a little more energy into it. Yeah. And I think that the dog was what my sister realized. That was like a step too far for her because she even finally said, I don't know that I can keep up taking, especially she got into high school and she was off with her friends and doing all kinds of stuff. Yeah. And so uh, my parents said they were going to send the dog to obedience school. Oh, no. <laughs> and then. They also gave that dog away. Um, oh, no. <laughs> I've seen. He's honey. He's good still though, at school. Was, he's just now. He's getting his PhD. He just. He's loving this educational process. Please, let's not force him home. That's what we would joke about. Like, oh, oh so is the is the dog still at obedience school? Is your uh, is your dog still? <laughs> but no, uh, it was great though because we've seen pictures since then, and she was adopted by this woman who already had a bunch of dogs, and she has another dog, and like they're all in her house and. They wear little sweaters and they're adorable and the dog is fat and happy and loved and cared for. So it was it was probably for the best. Yeah. Yeah. No, listen, this we have these uh, life is filled with ephemeral experiences. In your case, uh, it was with a series of cats who all had the same name, which let's all just acknowledge (laughs) does feel a little bit like a middle reader book that you need to write because... (laughs) It's very like the eccentric families in books, in those books that you read where you're like, you're just at that, you know, 10, 11 year old age where you're like, why isn't my family more eccentric? Like, why doesn't my family have a secret (laughs) room at the top of the house that has a, you know, a dollhouse that my, like, there's just always some sort of like, why doesn't, why Mm -hmm. doesn't, why don't, why doesn't our have a, why don't we have a family that has a bunch of dogs wearing sweaters? Like the, 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 the multiple Isadoras feels like. It needs to be incorporated into something because it definitely, to me, has a sort of it's like approaching a Wes Anderson film. It's approaching like, did Margot Tenenbaum also have a series of cats named Isadora that her dad kept giving away? I'll have to send him that idea. Hey, <laughs> Wes Anderson, did you, did you need some quirky ideas for a quirky character in one That's of your quirky right. movies? I'm sure he'll really appreciate it. I'm sure he'll really appreciate it. <laughs> Jennifer Varney. Oh my God, 
gosh, this is so exciting. This is unprecedented. I've never had a, a, a male friend. Let me finish. <laughs> because I have had say. one. Come on the show with me outside of the summer or a yeah. live show just to chitty chat with me. But there's a very special reason that that's happening. And you're a very special friend. Well, thank you. You're a special friend of mine as well. And it's Max Fun Drive time. Thank you for knowing why I brought you. I was the afraid most... I was going to have to explain the whole thing to you from soup to nuts. If you can tell me where that expression comes from, I will get you a subscription to Max Fun. It is from a store that sold nuts and also soup. One end of the store was the walnuts. The other end of the store was the soup. I absolutely don't believe you. Okay. Well, it's so a lie. I Good job. Good job. do not owe you anything. Yep. Except my thanks for coming on <laughs> to talk about Max Fun Drive with me. Now, <laughs> let's tell these wonderful listeners a little bit about Max Fun Drive. And I want to do that because, of course, this is my first time. I've been doing the podcast seven years. Yeah. Yet it's my first Max Fun Drive. It's very exciting. I already feel like I know a lot about it. I want to invite our wonderful, wonderful listeners who... By the way, have been, if they are longtime listeners listening to the show at no cost to them, mm-hmm. now is the time to pull all those emotions back, bring them to the forefront. Know that if you're supporting my show on Max Fun, you're also supporting the entire network, and it is a listener supported network, which I've always loved. Yeah. I mean, look, let's be honest. If you're listening to this, you know that Janet Varney is one of the most wonderful human beings on the planet, which I say, I know we're being jokey here. We're having jokey good times, but it is 100% true. Uh, I, there's nobody that knows you that I know who does not love you. And don't do this right now. For the people who are out there I'm listening, you. this is your chance it's to give very back. Emotional. That's I'm what, very emotional. That's what this is about. How you, dare you be sincere during a drive? Just, but just imagine. <laughs> this is the only time I'm ever sincere. <laughs> when I go home, the mask goes on. My wife doesn't even know my middle name. I do know that the joy that you have in your life probably is due to Max Fun. Yes. This is really like becoming a participatory member of the community around the JV Club. That's right. Right? You're, yes. You already listen every week. You love the show. I, I think it's- I hope you do. It's, it's, th- this is your chance to say thank you and really feel like you're helping the show continue. It's super easy to do also. May, may I? Uh, would you? I will. Where can I go? You go to MaximumFun.org. That sounds like a website. Donate. That it sounds is. like a website. It is a website. MaximumFun.org slash donate? Yeah. That's very simple. And it's dot .organized. Oh. <laughs> if, you, if you're a big fan of the the uh, the life-changing magic of tidying, yes. they've already done it on the site. It's oh, very tidy. It's very crisp. It it's is very organized. Clean. Anything organized. they didn't need, they thanked it for its service and they let it go. So exactly. everything you're getting is pure MaxFun gold. Yes. MaximumFun.org slash donate. Yes. I'm sure you've already gone there. Let me tell you something. Yeah. Sometimes when I'm listening to podcasts that I love that are listen to, listener supported, yes. I will be doing something else and I will hear them say, hey, the only reason we're able to do this show is with your support. And I make a mental note to myself to do it. How often do I actually do it? Like it takes me six to seven times of hearing that to actually sit down and do it. <laughs> now that I am on the other side of that, I realize just do it the first time. Yeah, when you hear then it. you don't feel bad because I will listen to like seven more episodes and go, you know what? I meant to just it's so easy. I forgot to do it back then. As soon as the urge strikes you, you go and do it. You set up you, you give just a little bit of information, including your credit card. You set it up. Yeah. So it's a recurring monthly contribution. It can be as little as five dollars a month. That's like a cup of coffee at a very expensive place. Also, yes. I have it so where I start to enter my credit card number and my phone and computer fill the rest in. <laughs> I have precious little to do. Yeah. Precious little to do. Same. Hard when I'm same. entering, when I'm paying for something. Yeah. It, everything has become too easy. Why wouldn't I have already done it? Here's the, here's the only curveball. 
it's going to you're, you're going to be asked what shows you listen to. That's not an informal poll. You have to check the box oh, for the JV Club of Janet Varney. Please check that box. That that ensures that a portion of your contribution, the the lion's share, goes to all of the shows you listen. They will split the lion's share of whatever you contribute. So that is the way you make sure that Janet benefits directly oh, from my. your membership. Check the box for the JV Club. To be honest with you, it's possible. I didn't even realize that. I was just going to have them spread it all the way across. <laughs> now that I know that I can be selfish and say, but you know what? Considering that I personally said that I would get the goal of 25,000 new subscribers, by new yourself. pledgers, I said I would take that on all by myself sure. and everything else was gravy and all other podcasts mm-hmm. can just like, meh. Pound kick, sand. Yeah. kick a few here, a few there in. I have a tremendous responsibility. Yes. And I signed a legal contract. Well, it may have been a bad idea. Max One didn't ask me to. I brought in an independent lawyer. I didn't ask them to sign anything. I just signed it and had it notarized in front of them. They were very uncomfortable with it. I insisted. I said, 25000 It's on me, guys. How and then much, I patted myself on the back. How much did you pay that lawyer? Like twenty five thousand dollars. That was a bad idea. Well, Look. I wanted to make sure it was it was airtight. <laughs> Janet needs your help, people. Go to maximumfun.org slash donate. I'm in a lot of trouble. Oh my goodness. Please Le- please do it, guys. Also, we got some awesome gifts yeah. that are available to you. We're we'll gonna get you into later. that. We'll tell you later. Yeah, let's save it. For now, uh, I'm gonna go talk to Janet about her uh, rising legal debts. I'm in a lot of trouble. And you enjoy the rest I'm of this in episode. So much trouble. How until I'm so we come scared. back. I'm don't worry. i I don't know if I I can help you, but I'm going to try. Thanks. Uh, where did you Where did you uh, grow up, Sydney? Where in Where in the these United States? Largely where I live now in Huntington, West Virginia. But uh, my dad, when we were younger, my dad used to work for the CSX Railroad, and as anybody who has ever worked there, had family who worked there, might know, you move around a lot. It's sort of like with military families, they move sure. around a lot. Railroad families move around a lot, too. You just This is the first time hearing about it. I did not know that that was true mm-hmm. of railroading families. I'm really learning something here. Yeah, the, you, get, you get transferred as you kind of climb up the ladder to different positions. You get transferred around a lot. So we, like, started out in Huntington and then... We lived in Richmond, Virginia for a while and Baltimore, Maryland for a while and uh, Cincinnati, Ohio for a while and um, Waycross, Georgia. And then finally, eventually back to Huntington. That's always everybody's goal is like they're trying to get back home and you just have to. It's like quantum leap. You just take enough (laughs) (laughs) transfers until you you get the leap home. Listen, everything that you're saying is, again, part of the children's story. I can only fictionalize your entire (laughs) life now. I really appreciate that you used the uh, metaphor of a ladder because train tracks really just kind of look like one long horizontal ladder. Uh, mm-hmm. I also feel that this idea that you are a family of adorable hobos who are uh-huh. working for the railroad <laughs> and really just stopping all these different places till you finally take the last train home. Um, it's all now that might be more of a country song. But it could uh-huh, potentially yeah. go in the same movie. I realized it sounded that way. As I said, like railroad families move around a lot. That's exactly what I pictured was our <laughs> family just like. Oh, so you live on trains. With our I bindles. see. So you're, you're, you live in a r- railroad car. That's how it works if you work for the railroad. That's exactly it. That's I'm glad I, I'm glad I gave an accurate impression. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Um, what, what parts of your like when you were a teenager, did you does that had you guys settled back in Huntington Beach again at that point or in those formative kind of like tumultuous adolescent years? Were you also bopping from place to place? 
No, by, by the time I was a teenager, we had settled back nice. in Huntington, which I think was good. And so I was kind of able to go to the same school for a while and, and live in the same neighborhood and make friends and, and that kind of stuff. Did you have holdover friends from your first uh, time there that you were like, hey, guys, I'm back? No, you know, what's funny. We literally, uh, even though I was born here, we did not actually, my parents didn't live in this city where I was born when I was born. My mom came back and stayed with her parents right at the end of the pregnancy so that she could go to the doctor she knew and the hospital she knew and all that stuff. But ah. then after uh, I was like two or three weeks old, she went back to, I think Richmond is where they lived at the time. So even though I was born here, we didn't even technically live here at the time. I gotcha. And was there were there places... Uh, that you that you guys were living that you really felt like, no, no, this is the place I want to actually stay? Or did you have an awareness of that? Was it more just like, life is happening to me. My parents are telling me we're moving again. You know, I don't have uh, a strong sure. feeling about this place any more than I did about the place before. The only place that I would say was like that was when we lived in Georgia. I have a lot of like, it was, I, and it was the last place too. So I was the oldest. So I, I remember sure. the most about Georgia as well. And I was there long enough to like, I made friends and I had kind of started to establish the things I liked and I got to decorate my room and I was kind of becoming a person by then. Mm, yeah. And so it was the, it was the hardest, that was a hard move. And, and it, we ended up back home, which was home to my parents, but not really home to me. Cause I hadn't actually ever lived there you know, in any conscious way. Sure. Um, and so, so that was probably the, the one that was hard to leave. Cause I, I liked my life there. I liked my friends. I liked all the stuff. I knew somebody who had super Mario brothers three and I could go <laughs> to their house anytime I wanted. So that's already <laughs> I, I didn't enough, said, enough said enough <laughs> said. And how old were yeah. you? So when, how old were you when you did move uh, and settle finally in, in West Virginia? Uh, I would have been nine. Oh, Okay. Yeah. yeah. So by the time you became a teenager, you definitely had had really settled in and and sort of did you was uh did you go to a, a high school that was kind of um, fed in by the the middle school that you had gone to? Were you sort of with a, the, the like a wave of people that you'd known since you were nine? I sort of I was I uh I will I will say I wasn't the best necessarily at making friends. So even though yes, the middle school I went to fed into my high school, I. I didn't wasn't very good at keeping holdover friends. And it was a big our high school, the one that I attended was a recently consolidated school. Mm. So it was really big, especially yeah. for I mean for a West Virginia school, we had 2000 people in our high school um Woo. which was large by our standards. And so it was it was nice though because I just I kind of ended up finding a whole new group of people through I did a ton of theater when I was in high school. And so between theater and like show choir, I I found my whole new, I found my, my new group. <laughs> oh yeah. Listen, we, we've, I've said it before, but the, the theater department is like the statue of Liberty of high school. Just, you can yes. bring, bring, bring me all of your misfits. Bring me everyone. Bring me, you're tired, you're poor. <laughs> you're, I, I admittedly have never made the comparison to the Statue of Liberty, so this is a real first. But uh, it's a great one, huddled, though. It's your really huddled, true. Your huddled masses, your huddled rejects, yearning to be free and feel accepted somewhere. It's just a great, 
I, I really do feel like it's there's that's a, it's a, such a great opportunity for a bunch of people who don't know where they fit in to kind of find a bunch of people who feel like they don't fit in. It, it really it really was. I was I I always encourage um, because after so I went through the our not just our high school theater program, but like our community theater as well. That we have a lot of theater in this area, which, again, sounds odd for West Virginia, but we have a lot of community theaters and children's theaters and stuff. And so I had the benefit of all that. And then eventually Justin and I would we directed some of those children's theaters, nice. children's theater shows after we got older. Yeah. And I was so quick to encourage like any parents I knew, like, put your kids in theater. It was the best thing for me. Nice. <laughs> it was so good. Yeah. I was so shy and nerdy and scared and didn't know what to do with myself. And I wasn't even necessarily that I found people who were just like me. I found other people who were shy and nerdy and scared and didn't know what to do with themselves. And we figured it out together. It was such a great thing for for me as a kid. Did you and and, and how does sh- uh, show choir compare to that? Is that sort of a similar dynamic or was that more uh, po- polished in some way? <laughs> it was I would say it was similar. Um, not quite as I would say like the theater community is was almost like all accepting. Like you could be yeah. as nerdy and weird as you wanted to be in the theater community. The show choir community, it's it was a little more competitive. It was a little more about like uh who was you still wanted to be cool. I don't know why we thought we were cool in show choir. At least this was my show choir. People thought that they were cool. And then I look back and I'm like, we are wearing these <laughs> sequin blue dresses. <laughs> Like when the the guys are wearing sequin sequin vests and like nobody looks cool. No, <laughs> but we thought we thought we were. So it had a little more of an edge to <laughs> an edge on the show choir <laughs> than the theater world. <laughs> right, right, right. And so when you is show choir is. Um, it, I, I had to be. It was through my podcast that I became familiar with the concept of show choir because we we definitely had like. I'm sure we had a version of that at my high school, but um, I was so, I guess I was just so insular and sort of self-absorbed that if it wasn't something I was doing, which was next to nothing, I had like zero awareness of it. Um, so uh, I don't even know, I don't think it was called show choir, but um, was it was it like you guys go out and compete against other schools and like you go to the regional show choir conference? Yep. That was <laughs> it was exactly like that. We would go to competitions and you always thought like it was also a great excuse. And I think a lot of extracurriculars in high school are probably used this way. But like you'd go on long bus trips with uh, like long co-ed bus trips. And it was a great excuse to like have a place to go make out with people and nobody knew about it. And yeah, it's similar to theater, like everybody's changing backstage. And so it feels very risque and like, <laughs> oh, I'm part of something that's so grown up and, and kind of bad. And so I, there was always that element to show choir. But yeah, we would go around to different schools and do competitions. And like we did one at Universal Studios once, which I think every show choir does just so that you can like take the kids on a trip there and <laughs> and that kind of thing. Is that Universal Studios, Florida or Hollywood? Yeah, Florida. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, see, I'm a West Coast person. I never lived on the East Coast, so I, I really have to uh, reshuffle my expectations of what when people say they went to someplace that sounds familiar. Like we got to go to Disney. Some people just say Disney, and then I really am like, oh, I don't know. This could be anything. And then I realize, oh, you're from the East Coast. Like Disney means Disney World to you. It absolutely does not mean Disneyland. Yes. Yeah, that is definitely true. Uh, so you do, and you were participating in these, uh, back of the bus makeouts. 
Uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I have to admit, yeah, I had my, I had my show choir boyfriend. <laughs> so, nice. <laughs> so I felt pretty cool about that, that I, that I had met through theater. So, I mean, doubly cool. <laughs> oh man. So you guys were doing both. Was that, uh, what did it, how did that work if, and when, uh, you broke up or did you? It's not Justin, is it? <laughs> uh, no, you know, no, it's not who I'm referencing, but because Justin was not in show choir. Justin would never have done show yeah. choir. Um, it's just not his scene. He was in the band. And if you were in the band, you looked down on the show choir because <laughs> you knew they were the hierarchy. Nerds. The hierarchy is so great. <laughs> yeah. he No, he because that's what he would he would tell you. He had the skills to play a musical instrument. I just sang and danced. Oh, um, Sure. No, we we did meet through theater. Strangely enough, though, that wasn't who I was referencing. But yeah, Justin and I um, met doing community theater, and we knew each other uh, since I was like twelve. We grew up together, and uh, like I said, not show choir, but, yeah. but definitely through theater. You had to you had to get this other guy out of your system. Um, but the, yeah, but, but, and, yeah, and it was all very like sh- high school dramatic. Like we broke up. It was right before prom and we were supposed to go to prom together. So we went to prom together anyway because mm. we like otherwise we couldn't have gone. And so then we went and it was like, I still love you. And I was like, I don't know if I want us to be together. It was all, you know, it was very high school. Yeah. And then uh, and then we weren't, which was good because <laughs> then, you know, I married Justin eventually and that all worked <laughs> out for the best. Well, I, I, that was my question was, was sort of when you broke up, like we, we broke up, it it leaves things kind of wide open for it to be mutual, for it to be, you know, one person wanted, the other person didn't. And then the sort of very adult kind of, I guess, decision to, you know, well, we'll still go to prom together, which I need to ask you, when you say otherwise we couldn't have gone, what, what does that mean? Does that well, mean like you had bought tickets or you were like, we wouldn't have anyone to go with if not each other because we broke up too late in the game? That, that yeah, mainly that. I mean, it was, you know, and it's that other, that high school thing where like we had a friend group that we were part, that we were both very much mm. part of. And so one, it was way too late to find other dates, which of course we could have gone alone, but we both would have wanted to go stag with the same group of people yeah so that would have been weird on some level we thought and then um i'd already gotten like a dress and stuff and that seemed like a waste to just not go yeah and we both kind of wanted to go so i in that sense we you know we couldn't go otherwise i guess we could have but did it feel just thought it was easier just to stick yeah each other but did it feel mutual when you guys broke up and then he surprised you with telling you i still have feelings for you or were you the instigator and so perhaps in the back of his mind he was like well listen if she still wants to go to prom with me this thing might still have a chance I, I, you know, in <laughs> retrospect, I think I was probably the instigator. I, I would have loved to believe it was mutual at the time. Like, no, we both agree this is for the best because I didn't want to, I want to be the bad guy. But yeah. in retrospect, I think it was largely my doing. And so then when I was hit with that, I was like not totally surprised. And I probably shouldn't have agreed to con- like to go to prom because I knew, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I know this now as an adult, but at the time as a teenager, it's just like, yay, I still get to go to prom. Right. 
Right. This will be fun. My friends are all there. We're yeah. going out to dinner. It's great. <laughs> what did your prom dress look like? I always, I don't know why I, cause this doesn't feel like me, but I know I did this every time. I would always get a prom dress that looked sort of like, like a print, like a Renaissance princess kind of <laughs> dress. They all were. They all were like empire waist and flowy and like my mom would curl my hair with all these ringlets. I always, oh. I think I always wanted to sort of look like the princess bride. Oh, there you, I was going to say, was there a reference that you think may have crept in unconsciously, if not consciously? Princess mm -hmm. bride's a good one. Yeah, I think it was always going for a buttercup look, I, probably. <laughs> but I don't, it feels so weird because like I'm not, I'm not a very feminine person like I'm not real girly I don't wear dresses I don't know it's weird when I look back and go I did that every prom every homecoming anytime I had to dress up I was like full princess <laughs> that's so amazing <laughs> I, though I, don't know. I mean I think yeah that's there I, there I think there's something really interesting there though that this this idea of sort of like that you have to turn it up to 11 you know what I mean if it's going to be if mm -hmm. it, as soon as it becomes an experience that you associate with something that's sort of outside of the norm for you anyway that you would then kind of like totally recenter your priorities for, specific to that and be like well this is okay well this is a serious event and this is an event that calls for a certain type of girl and if I'm not that girl <laughs> what what would I want to be who would I want to be you know who is this kind of girl well listen Princess Buttercup is very pretty it's a great movie <laughs> you know it's funny there's still comedy there like there she's she's very you know yep. it's uh and and I think I think I I would like to say I think I was sort of obsessed with like boy clothes when I was uh, in high school and and also like the sort of I think the theater department uh, for me was kind of included that sort of daring do where I, I became that that kid who was like, well, why can't I play the Pirate King? You know what I mean? Like the sort of. Uh, mm -hmm. certainly would not have yeah. been the girl who tries out for the football team, but, but was into the sort of like, you know, the, the, the gender bending or the androgyny of, of, of what kind of theater allows. Like I, I did get to play puck, sure. uh, which felt like, you know, the oh, ultimate, yeah. like, aha, I beat the system. Like, no, no, you didn't beat the system. Plenty of women have played puck. You're not, <laughs> you haven't cracked this whole thing wide open in any way, shape or form. But, uh, but I, I wanted to, like, I definitely uh, did the same thing where like, I think part of me, you know, when I went to my own, I went to a different, uh, I went to one school prom with my, uh, friend who, by the way, I had also gone out with and who we did go to prom together, even though we weren't together, it was kind of like, uh, well, what, you know, Hey, for old time's sake kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but for my own prom, I did go with, with my girlfriend and we, we wore our, you know, we wore our pretty vintage dresses, but we wore combat boots. So we did feel like we were still, you know, being sort of mm -hmm. boyish. But like every other part of the dress was, again, just to your point, it was so feminine. There was like lace and satin. And I had like a velvet, like a black velvet ribbon around my neck. <laughs> <laughs> like a choker <laughs> and then yeah curled like ringlets and I, I i think i was wearing like you know like black velvet gloves even though the dress uh -huh. was this sort of flesh tone <laughs> thing so it felt <laughs> like it, it really does I, like looking back it's like oh 
that sort of was like half the elements that I thought you were supposed to do and then everything else was like well I've always wanted to wear this so I guess I'll incorporate that into this thing even if it makes zero sense but the choker would have been very in at the time right that was like yeah it's true it was like the height of of cool chokers even though they're I, I guess they're back now I my my 18 year old sister tells me they're back now so. I, now now when I put on a choker I just feel like it looks like I have created the uh, like a like a like look at the thinnest point of my body and notice how the rest of my body is not that thin <laughs> I feel like that's what a choker <laughs> that's what a choker accentuates now is like oh look at this oh look at this area oh and then everything widens out from there got it got it got it <laughs> <laughs> It's not a good, it's not a, it's, I, that's not a body positive uh, way of looking at a choker, but that is, that is actually exactly how I feel now. No, I felt like it was kind of a weird thing to come back. Like the things that have come back, a lot of stuff makes sense to me, but the chokers, I was like, really? That's a, okay. Yeah. Well, Here <laughs> come guess. those chokers. The one that's kind of bothering me the most right now is, um, and it really is bothering me, is like, I was flipping through a magazine and uh, saw that. The, some 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 incredibly of course very very thin shapeless uh beautiful willowy young girl was wearing like a suit jacket and bike shorts and i was like no, no 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 i mean i sort of remember bike shorts as a thing like i remember in mm -hmm. la story sarah jessica parker is wearing bike shorts like on a date with steve martin or when she's working at this um like sort of esprit kind of store might actually be esprit yeah. uh and but like overall i really my dad is a huge cyclist like i grew up wearing bike shorts and being very self-conscious about it because i would go cycling with my dad for like long distance rides and stuff and it was like i it never occurred to me that i didn't have to wear cycling gear because my dad raised me and like he was a cyclist so i had my own little jersey and my own little sure. bike shorts and so i never it was never like oh i could oh i could not wear these um and so <laughs> when I see like seeing a girl with like just no hips and no inner thighs and just nothing happening, just two little sticks wearing bike shorts and a blazer and like probably a choker. I, I just, I got my really got a head full of steam about it. I was like, no, no, we are not going to be wearing bike shorts as a style. No, but that's out no, there right now. No, Sydney, I, it's out there. Oh, I can't do that. See bridge yeah. too far. Yeah. No. I, I felt like the day that I put on a pair of yoga pants and then looked at my little sister and went, okay, you're right. I like these. I, that was the last big step forward for me. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. I'll wear, I'll wear these. These seem, these seem about right for this point in my life. It's a I'll revelation. wear the yoga pants. <laughs> it's a revelation. Anything that, I mean, when I, when I realized like, oh, I've come full circle to where I was in high school, which was like the baggier, the better. Um, the schlubbier, mm -hmm. the better. I was, I was very comfortable most of my time in high school. And I, I sort of uh, very quickly adopted that when it, when, when, when things that were like a cross between sort of Scandinavian and, and Japanese started introducing the like beautiful cocoon dress where you have no shape at all, but it's like a very, there's something <laughs> about it that's very chic. I was like, I've come home. I've come home. I'm basically wearing pajamas. This is amazing. I think that's great. I think that's a great moment that you, I, I think we all get to at some point where like I had this 
after, especially after med school and then I did my residency and then it was like I had to have a job job. I had to be like a professional doctor person. And so I bought clothes that I thought like, this is what I wear now. These are the clothes that are assigned to me in this profession. And so I bought things that I thought I was supposed to wear and I wore all that for a while and I never felt really comfortable or... I, I didn't bother looking in the mirror and be like, you look good today. It was just like, no, this is the uniform. This is what you wear at this point in your life when you do these things. And I I feel like I've come around to the other side where, no, I'm going to get rid of things that don't, like, I don't like to wear. Because why am I wearing? And, like, I'll pick things that I actually like. Oh, I'm comfortable. This is me. This is, it's a nice point to get to, but it took me a long time to yeah. come back around. What, what would you say if you had to um, give an example of something that you were like, well, I guess this is, this is expected of me. What, what, what would be an outfit that you'd be sort of happy to move on from? Uh, I was, so when I first started as a, like as a physician, like out of my training, I went and got like a ton of like I, I thought since I was a female physician, I was I needed like button downs and dress slacks, but they needed to look feminine. And so like I had a lot of prints and things that just aren't me. I'm not saying they're bad. It's just not me. Like I don't wear like a lot of printed things. I don't wear like blousey things with like lace or floral things. <laughs> but I owned a lot of those kinds of blouses and prints and like those types of things to wear with like really nice tailored dress pants and then I bought heels which I hate heels mm. and I don't own any now I just can't do it it's yeah. just not me and I bought them because I thought well I'm a grown-up now this is what my Barbie used to look like I guess so <laughs> my medical is, Barbie and she, and she was grown up so I guess this is what I do and so that was that was what I tended to wear and I and I think about like I I, I mean really like lace and flowers and things I don't I don't know where all that came from and now I have some of those remnants like in the back of my closet that I'll find and I'll be like, did I wear this? And this was like, I don't know, five years ago, yeah. not that long ago. Did I wear this? Well, but it's really interesting because I feel like you kind of you can draw potentially you can draw a line uh, from from the sort of idea of the prom right as well, which is, you know, you you, you really uh, responded to theater and and you know, what spoke to you. And, and so this idea of looking at certain elements of life as being kind of a thing you're trying on or a role that you're playing. I mean, maybe I'm totally oversimplifying. I'm sure I am. But, but this idea of like, well, I want to have, here's this new experience. Um, I don't really know how to do it. Uh, or, or at least I don't know what I'm supposed to look like when I'm doing it. So sort of looking outside for cues, um, and then trying to adapt mm-hmm. whatever feels like it it matches with this new thing um, on the outside, and and going like, well, I guess I guess Buttercup is probably. I mean, that's probably the way I you know I should be experiencing sure. the prom, and and then to sort of have that same relationship to you know, well, this this part of it I know how to do because I was educated, but there wasn't a class on how to dress as a physician, um, so that no. that part is lost on me. So you know, look around. What have I? What do you know? What's even either it's 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 a contemporary comparison or there is some sort of like latent thing buried in your mind that's like, let's see, what doctors have I seen on television and what were they wearing? <laughs> 
like you know what so your, our brains try to recognize patterns our brain our brains try to like create whatever feels like it you know checks a box somewhere um it totally makes sense mm-hmm. you know that you would do that but i but i am uh, excited for you that a few years ago you were able to kind of go now hold on a second <laughs> what if i make this look well, like my own what, life instead of someone else's yeah and that's that was it was a really nice moment to think like I am a doctor, so whatever I look like is what a doctor looks like Love it. now. Love it. Because I am one. And so that that was a big revelation for me. And I knew, I mean, like a lot of my colleagues, and I don't want to generalize, but especially like my male colleagues, they're do- they've been doing their own thing from the beginning. Like I didn't see a lot of them go through this like torturous, like I have to dress this way. Like they'd get flack for like, you're not wearing a tie again. And they'd go, oh no, and whatever, and move on with their lives because they didn't care. I'm like, why did I contort myself? This is me and I'm just going to dress this way and I'm not violating any, like, I'm not like going around like with a bare midriff or something. I don't mean, (laughs) I'm not going to get in trouble at work. I can't wear open toe shoes for sanitary reasons. That's fine. I can deal with that. But (laughs) yeah, but like I wear tennis shoes and they, they're clean they're fine. Yeah. They're not like, I don't know, they're, they're fine. They're And nobody says anything to me. So I wear tennis shoes to work every day. Okay. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, I think that's, that's, um, it's the sort of, I mean, that, that, that could, that could sort of be, you know, around the corner from the sort of imposter syndrome that, that many of us feel as we're, as we're yeah. growing up. I mean, I feel that way about, um, Sketchfest is the kind of the first thing that pops into my mind is, is when other people tell you other, it's sometimes it takes other people to sort of tell you how they perceive your life, uh, and, and, and the, and the, there's some, this sort of instinctual, uh, response, which I, you know, I, it's easy for me to say tends to perhaps come from females more than, um, males, but, but that's certainly not, you know, a, a guarantee or a rule that, that goes, you know, through every time, sure. but <clears throat> this sort of sense right. of apology of like, you know, someone's like, oh, you're a doctor. Wow. You know, that and whatever whatever picture they have in their mind you're either you either feel like you're supposed to kind of conform to or you feel like you have to apologize for it like well I am but I mean I don't know I you know (laughs) and like that's that's how you know people go like oh you started this festival like how long have you been doing it now and and even still sometimes you know if I, I I feel like getting even to like the the 10 year old mark I still felt like so you know, whatever, whatever I felt like the positive perception came along with that, I just couldn't accept or own. I had to be like, oh, I don't know. It just, we just kind of keep doing it. I don't know. And sometimes I still say that. Uh, And sometimes it still feels that way. But part of it is this sort of like, oh, you probably have this idea of what this kind of person is. um, And, and do I have a responsibility to, again, kind of check all those boxes. And a lot of it is just like, you're assuming what someone else thinks like, Oh, probably someone doesn't want to see a doctor who's not wearing heels. If it's a woman <laughs> like, Oh wait, that's the problem. That doesn't have to be true at all. Someone could be really excited that you're in sneakers. Yeah, no, it's, it, it's so true. And it's really, I have that. I know exactly what you mean. I have that inclination. Cause I'll say that sometimes people would be like, Oh, you're a doctor. And I'm like, I mean, just a, you know, I mean, I'm a family doctor. It's no big deal. It's just, you know, just a thing. Like whatever. And uh, like, <laughs> it's, it's nothing. I don't know why, I don't know what you think about me because of that or why you think that's a cool thing, but it's, it's probably not true about me because yeah. uh, I'm not any of those things. And I, I'll write that off. And I've been very cognizant of it since I've had children 
um, especially the apologizing mm-hmm. thing, because my older daughter, Charlie, already will like I'll say, oh, honey, be careful. Don't spill something or whatever. And she'll go, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Like instantly. Yeah. And I, I know she's it's got to be my fault. And I, and then I'll think, like, stop apologizing. Don't do yeah. it to the next generation. Yeah. Don't, don't t- pass this trait on. <sighs> and so I, ha- I spend a lot of time looking at her going, you don't have to apologize for that. Now, when you hit daddy, because he, he won't let you have another <laughs> popsicle, you do have to apologize for that. <laughs> that is an I'm sorry. But that's not an I'm sorry. And it, I spend a lot of time saying that to her. Don't apologize. And then I'll look at myself in the mirror and go, you either. Seriously. You don't, you don't apologize either. Absolutely. Oh, I think that's that's very heartening. And I and I I God, I get it. I get it. I get it. And I, I'm excited that that you're you have an awareness of that and that you're you know, that you are dedicated to, you know, not imparting that. Um, because that is, you know, there are so many things that that we we that we pass on, whether it's directly to our offspring or whether it's just culturally and um Mm-hmm. You know, staying staying open minded to the idea that that those things uh, don't have to be as institutionalized as they are and indoctrinated as they are are it, it, that's that's a good thing to keep track of, and it's also like exhausting um, with certain things. So it's you know it's 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 like work we all are trying to do, and um, but also I feel like we we don't yeah we're, we also don't need to be hard on ourselves about you know the fact that it takes time. You know, and that it's like it takes a village, sure. so to speak. Um, well, Cindy, yeah, well, no, oh, and it's taken. I mean, I'm 35. It's taken me 35 years to develop my apologizing habit. I'm not going to break it just because I've become aware of it in the last year. Exactly. Exactly. Hey, welcome back to my dear, dear friend, Hal Loveland. Thank you. Who for is, me. has promised to get me out of a extreme legal quandary? I said I'd help. I said I'd try. I let didn't me, promise. Let me ask you this: to... Are you familiar with using legal problems, using the metaphor an endless mind, like a mine shaft, like a pit mm-hmm. that yeah. no one knows where the bottom is? I've heard. I've heard of that. That uh, yes. That is that where metaphor. I am right now because I have told everyone that I will get twenty five thousand new members to Max Fun. You know what else is a good metaphor for? Hmm. The bottomless amount of love and support that this network continues to receive from its listeners. Yes. There's no end to it. If you try to look down there, like, hello, hello, hello. Where does your selfishness begin? Begin, begin. <laughs> no, there's no, you're never going to hear an echo back. You're never going to hear an answer. Yeah. Because the depth of commitment and love that MaxFun listeners give to this network is boundless. And I think becoming a member and supporting Janet directly by checking the box for the JV Club when, when you're asked what podcast you listen to when you set up that monthly contribution. That sounds important. That's that's how she'll know that you love her and that you are here with her. But Otherwise, I'll feel so alone. In addition to the feeling you'll get knowing yeah. that you've brought love into Janet's life, there are amazing gifts at, at every level, and they stack. Oh, yeah. We're going we're gonna to tell you about some of them and know if we start at the $5 level and we go up to 35 at the 35 you'll get the gifts for the 20 the 10 and the 5 you still get those. You still get those. Also, did okay. I sound like Joey Tribbiani when I said the 20, the 10, and the 5? I feel like when I say that, I don't. it's not like an impression, but I hit that friend's rhythm. Yes. Uh, if I give two milliliters of plasma, what level do I get to with the max fund drive? Well, don't do that. I think it's illegal to mail blood. 
That's first. Okay. I, I don't think you can send but blood via they, the internet. You should donate blood to this drive. That's how drive works. It's my it's first different one. Drive. Have it's I been? Different. Yeah, because no, I've never done this before. Yeah, that's wrong. Um, okay. You, you. This is money. Okay. So just... we start at like five dollars a month. Great. No blood. Great. No plasma. You get bonus content, not only from from your show, yeah. but from every show on the network. It's, it's over a hundred hours of bonus content. Very much appreciated and beloved. And thank you, thank you, thank you for maybe giving up that one. Like fancy drink that you would have either in the morning or in the evening. Yeah. Save the money. <laughs> donate it once a month to MaximumFun.org slash donate. What is your bonus episode? My bonus episode. I got a bonus episode. It's going to blow you away because it's not even just a one-on-one interview with me. What? It is a cavalcade of laughs Oh. as brought to you by the SF Sketchfest performance of The Bat, Improv in the Dark. Oh. That I did. At SF Sketchfest, the recording exists nowhere else except wow. here at Max Fun. Exclusive. It has performers James Richmond from Casper Hauser, a yes. Maximum Fun friend and contributor. It has Danny Pudi from Community. Yes. Uh, it has Gary Anthony Williams, one of the funniest oh. guys of all time. So sweet. So it great. It has Scott Adsit uh, oh, from 30 Rock, the also one of the master improvisers, right? Yes. And my uh, friend and colleague from SF Sketchfest and many other things like Rift Track. Uh, Cole Stratton. Yes. Uh, I know that that sounds like it's me and a bunch of hilarious boys. That's how it worked out. I'm okay with it. <laughs> I'm then, really okay with it. Let's jump it up to $10 a okay. month. How do you feel about pins? I love pins. I'm I, wearing three pins right now. Yeah. What I am not wearing yet, because I only just recently saw it and mm-hmm. excited to put my grubby mitts on it, is the JV Club enamel pin. It's a cootie catcher slash yes. fortune teller. You know those little things where yes. it's folded up pieces of paper. It looks like a little origami. You stick your hands up in there. You go one, two, three, four, five, back and forth. You know what I'm doing. You're do- time... You guys are doing that in your head. <laughs> and then you go like, okay. And then you fold open an answer and you get either a question uh, if it's me asking it on my podcast or maybe you get an answer that's going to tell you your future with whether or not the person you have a crush on is going to go out with you. Yeah. It's... They will go out with you, by the way, if you go to MaximumFun.org slash donate. I'm just saying that's a known fact. $20 a month. $20 a month. How about a puzzle? Uh, I love puzzles of all kinds. If you love Max Fun and you want to know what it looks like, looks like outside the window at sunset, yes. which is uh, sounds like uh, a weird thing to say, but it is beautiful. First of you all, get the, the lake. view from this beautiful place is wonderful. Yeah. It, it reflects the joy that is inside this office. And it's got a rocket in the background, the Max Fun rocket. Oh, man. Everyone knows have. the Max Fun rocket logo. Which is launched from downtown every, That's right. every month. That's right. We have a launch. We all salute it. Yeah. And then we say the Pledge of Allegiance to Maximum Fun, which yeah. we're not going to share with you right now because that's it. I think if you do like a $250 a month mm-hmm. pledge, you get your own I will rocket. personally write you a Maximum Fun Pledge of Allegiance. Oh, right. I will personally pl- write you that Pledge of Allegiance. Right, 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 right. Yeah. That's at that level. So that you can know yourself. Saying with the rest of us when the rocket launches. Right. So go to maximumfund.org slash donate. Yes. Uh, you enter your information, including credit cards, so that it's set up. You can yeah. set it and forget it. And don't forget, the most important part, it will ask what shows you listen to. The shows that you check off will be the ones that benefit directly from that contribution. If you don't check it off, you're helping the network, in which case, thank you very much. But yeah. you want Janet to benefit directly, so check that JV Club box. Go do it right now. Hit pause Just on right this. Now. Just right now. And when you come back, You'll hear the rest of this episode. Yeah. It's going to be great. 
I would like to uh, get into this mash game with you as the minutes uh, are going fast, faster than I ever could have thought. Um, I, I can't believe we've been <laughs> talking for as long as we have. I feel like I say that all the time, but that's just a tribute to guests being wonderful and uh, and knowing oh, I could thanks. talk for hours. But um, so let's let's get into our mash game here. Um, let's start with uh, <laughs> uh, you and Justin are going to prom um, mm-hmm. as adults. So okay. you have this opportunity to dress however you want, three different styles that you can just go totally nuts with or be super simple with um, for for this, this grown-up prom opportunity. Um, and let's assume that that's a level playing field comfort-wise. So it really is just about kind of what have you never tried or what, you know, what would you never be able to get away with but here in this and in, in this context it can be any anything three but three different things uh for your grown-up prom three different things for my grown-up prom so first i've never i've never tried to go like full like suit like nice yeah. looking suit yep. and i would love in this world where i could pull it off yes. i would love to try that love it um the uh i always loved you you mentioned like the the dress with the combat boot. My my sister Taylor always rocked that look, and I, and she was much cooler than me. She still is, and I always thought like if I could pair like a frilly prom dress with combat boots, like that total, I don't know, like punk prom thing. Man, great! I would do that. Great. I just I never thought I was cool enough to pull it off. Punk prom. Um, Got it. And then I guess last, what if I just am. If I'm embracing comfort, it would probably be a skort, right? What's more <laughs> right. comfortable than a skort? <laughs> Fantastic. Just, just a skort and a nice, you know, long sleeve top. Great. There you go. Great. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's exactly what we're after here. Um, perfect. Okay. Uh, next question. Um, since I have the Princess Bride on on my mind, let's go ahead and do the category of uh, of three movies that you can jump into, be in the world, uh, hanging out with the characters. You're not reliving the plot. You're just like that's just an opportunity for you to just dive into that world. Um, I mean, is Princess Bride on the table? It's all, can it's, I put that it's on all on the table. Absolutely. Sure. Right. Princess Bride. I mean, I, I think I got to say Harry Potter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm going to assume I'll have magical powers. Oh, sure. And then, uh, ooh, one more. You know, how about um, It's a Wonderful Life? Great. It's just so nice. Great, great, great. <laughs> mm, wonderful life. Beautiful. Uh, okay, great. Let's do three places in the world that you would like to have a uh, second home if getting there were not a pain at all. Um, one, okay, one is, is still in the U.S. It's probably not as far for you, but somewhere in the Pacific Northwest. Mm-hmm. Man, it's so beautiful up there. Yeah. It's, kind of, it's a pain for me to get there. Yeah. I will tell you that. Yeah, It's not easy to get out of West Virginia to go anywhere. Uh-huh. Um <laughs> Uh, in ooh, Bath, England. Oh, Justin and I went there right before we started having kids. That was like our last trip, and I loved it there. And then you know I've never been there, but man, I've always wanted to go Sydney, Australia, because you know we share our name. Yeah, yeah, we got to get you down there. It's great. Um, I want to go. Yeah, I, I see that in your future. I, I see that in your future. Um, if that's one of those places where once you've gone. 
Like that was the, absolutely 100% true for me. I thought, oh, I'll never, I even, th- I think I had even accepted, like somehow I had accepted like, well, I'll never go to New Zealand or Australia. Like, wait, who decided that? Why did that, when, when did that become a truth? Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, and then I got invited to go for like a Comic-Con and I went and then it was like, oh, wait, y- you can just go here. <laughs> like, this is just a, yes, it's a long flight, but there's nothing about it that, uh, th- th- I don't know. There was some sort of, th- there's some sort of block um, in my mind that was like, well, unless I have a reason to go, you know, it's just such a long way, but then you, you go and, and you know, it, you're, you'll just be so glad that you went. Cause it's, it's a, it's a lovely, I would say as long as you're going to Australia, definitely go to New Zealand as well. I'm, I'm going to plan all this out for all you. Right. We got to do we'll it. Plan it all no, we've out. Got to. Yeah. Uh, let's go, <laughs> let's go with, uh, three, um, characters from, perhaps literature uh, of some kind that you um that are real that you have this sort of long lifelong friendship with that are real like i mean these fictional characters in our our alternate reality we have turned them into real people um or real creatures i guess it doesn't have to be human gosh um let's see uh mary from the secret garden gosh i read that book so many times as a kid yeah (laughs) and i know she starts out so unpleasant but like she grows that's right and i feel like i can connect to that that's right um let's see um you know i'm gonna throw in a curveball i'm gonna say i i feel like jacob from twilight seems like he'd be a good buddy Ooh, that is a (laughs) curveball Great. And then, uh, you know, maybe like Samwise Gamgees. Yeah, there Come you on. Go. There <laughs> He's always you there go. for you. Wonderful. Uh, okay, next category. Let's do three. Uh, let's do three professions that can be as out there or as grounded as you want um, that in this alternate universe you get to try on for size. And let's just assume like, you know, like there, there's, there, there's no downside. You don't have to worry about like, well, I would have been interested in doing this, but then that would mean I'd have to X, Y, Z. That doesn't exist in this alternate universe. Well, first of all, I, I have often wished I'd gone into like political science so I could be like a political operative. Ooh, I think West Wing made me wish that. Oh, I wish I were I like ran campaigns and was yeah. a political operative. Yeah, that really was the so sort exciting. of like the best and most poetic of what we ima- what we would imagine and hope American politics would look like. Exactly, exactly. Uh an astronaut. Great. Cuz I mean, if you're if you're dreaming big, let's leave the planet. Absolutely. Um and ooh, you know, I always wished I was a sailor. <laughs> Great. I always wish I I could be on a boat most of the time. <laughs> That's so cool. Now, do you, and is that because you have spent time on boats enough to know that you don't you, that you're you're seafaring, <laughs> you're seaworthy? <laughs> I I yes, I did a uh, I did a summer research project once where I lived on a riverboat for the summer and we collected uh, water samples and, and various other, we, there were a bunch of projects going on, but we, we went the length of the Ohio river for the summer and just collecting various scientific samples. Ooh. And we had to like crew the riverboat while we, so we had to learn how to be like a crew anyway. That's so cool. I always wanted to be a river pirate. Uh, you're Okay. Got it. <laughs> river pirate, even better than sailor. Uh, very, very good. Now <laughs> next category. 
all due respect to your wonderful husband, whom we love and adore, in this alternate universe, mm-hmm. you, this is for romantic times. Uh, it can absolutely be a fictitious character. Could be, you know, this. Yes, we all know this actor played this character in this movie, so it could just be specific to that one character they played, or you know, it could be an author. Anybody, sky's the limit, real or fiction, alive or dead, uh, from any era. Romantic partners for our alternate universe adventures. Uh, Hawkeye Pierce from MASH. Amazing. Be one. You are officially the first person who has picked a MASH character. I'm very excited because this is a MASH game. So it feels like the universe is now folding in on itself in a really delightful way. That's true. I didn't think about Mm -hmm. that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'm very pleased. Um... Let's see. Jughead Jones <laughs> from Archie, though, not Riverdale. Yes, yes. the OG <laughs> original Archie. Got it. And uh, Doc Holliday from Tombstone. Oh, yeah. Now, are we thinking in the back of our minds uh, the Val Kilmer Doc Holliday, or are we just imagining the yeah. actual? Yep. Oh, yeah, good old, good one. old jaundiced, handsome, sly, exhausted, drunk <laughs> Val Kilmer Doc Holiday, <laughs> hacking up pieces of his lung. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how he made it sexy, but he did. He really did. <laughs> oh, he really owned it. Those were the glory days, man. Post Real Genius, which also was like, who is this impish? Speaking of puck. Who is this impish creature? Yeah. Um, Fantastic. Uh, Those were the days. Okay. Next category, three foods. Uh, I can extend it out to to substances and drinks if you prefer, but uh, three foods that in in our reality are either bad for you, you're allergic to them, maybe they don't feel kind of ecologically conscious. In this alternate reality, for whatever reason, uh, this thing uh, is good for you. There's nothing wrong with eating it. You can eat it in perpetuity with zero uh, negative ramifications. Well, um, so I can pick beer. Yep, hundred <laughs> percent. Beer would be number one. Done. Got it. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, I guess I need to be more specific than Taco Bell. Not at just, all. You absolutely can put that out there. <laughs> the genre Taco Bell. <laughs> Taco Bell genre. Uh-huh. Perfect. And um, uh, probably pizza rolls. Oh, pizza rolls. Got it. Beautiful. Okay. Love it. Uh, Now, let's show up, Justin, and give you the ability to play any instrument (laughs) (laughs) so that he can no longer lord it above you that you're in show choir and he actually could play an instrument. Uh Uh-huh. All right. Well... First, I'm trying to learn how to play piano, so let's go ahead and pick piano because I would then I can fast forward and That's be done right. with the. We're gonna make you part. a virtuoso overnight. Um, uh, guitar because it's just so cool, right. right? That's the cool one. Um, and then drums because they secretly are cooler. I think agreed. Not given enough credit. Agreed on all counts. Yeah. Agreed on all counts. Okay, this is just the part where I get my little sort of number that I'm going to use to do the eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Very professional process with this mash game. So, real quick, just tell me when to stop. Stop. Great. Uh, I am going to, let's see what I've been doing for our remote podcasts, uh, just for, since it's easier on max fun to sync everything up, if it's just one continuous, um, file is to have you while I do this, 
to have you tell the wonderful listeners, uh, most of whom I'm sure are already very familiar with and fond of you uh, vis-a-vis the Max Fun universe, but um, but tell everybody kind of what you uh, have going on and where they can check it out, if you don't mind. Okay, thanks. Uh, well, I do a podcast called Sawbones with my husband, Justin, where we talk about medical history, and he makes jokes about it. And uh, you can... Uh, you can check that out at MaximumFun.org as well as uh, the other podcast I do, Still Buffering, which is a show about being a teenager then and now. I'm not one now, but uh, I do it with my two sisters and um, my little sister Riley is still a teenager. And so uh, we talk about teens and that's also at MaximumFun.org. And uh, we have a book that we wrote last year, the Sawbones book that's based on the same stuff that our podcast is about. And uh, you can get that anywhere that books are sold essentially uh i yeah i will say you guys did sawbones you we we could we worked it out so that you could be in town literally one night before you had to be up in the pacific northwest in fact for um the podcast festival yes. and uh and that was like the biggest complaint of so many people was that they had one chance to see sawbones and it was in a, a smallish area of the um uh the natural history museum where we you know sort of take over for a night and um there were a lot of people who mm-hmm. were very bitter that they did not get to see you guys so we'll have to rectify that Aww. for next year well sure we'd be up for it i'm sorry to hear that but i will say that room the africa room was amazing it was such a cool venue so, to do a someone show told me i had to be at other shows that night and someone told me that the um the the leopard that they have that sort of sticks out on a tree where everything else is just in diorama behind glass was it it roars periodically and apparently uh they couldn't get it to stop roaring for a minute <laughs> so i don't know yep. if you're around for that did that, that happen absolutely true <laughs> That is absolutely true. Uh, it's on the recording and everything. The scene stealing. <laughs> it was cat. good though. Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, <laughs> all, all I can say is I have to assume that that cat uh, is now named Isadora. Uh, that's <laughs> I took it home, and named it Isadora, and then sent Isadora it. And the, then your dad dropped know, it back third. off. Yeah, at the Natural History Museum. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Sydney, uh, I have your Mash Future. I'm feeling pretty good about it. I think you will feel the same. Um, a lot of these things All kind right. of align for me. They sort of make a, a. Sometimes it happens where there seems like there's some kind of organic sense to all of this, um, and and I do feel that that has happened here. Um, I want to first uh, tear off the band-aid and let you know that you did get a shack uh it was not a mansion apartment or house you do have a shack (laughs) it is in the beautiful uh pacific northwest i'm gonna assume shack in this case substitutes out for cabin uh, sure. So yeah. you have a beautiful cabin where you're really getting a chance to take in just the the, the beautiful surroundings of of uh, the Pacific Northwest because I share your your love of that area. Um, now, I also want to you know this actually makes sense too because as a drummer you're going to want to go ahead and practice a lot. You want to be somewhere remote so that you're not mm-hmm. driving your neighbors crazy with the intense beats that That's you're good. blasting out into the world. Um, so uh-huh. as a drummer, it also makes sense to me that you're, that you're up there in your, in your beautiful cabin. Um, I want to congratulate you on, uh, your friendship with the adorable Mary, who also wants to find a, a, a wonderful place in nature. That's kind of her own secret garden, if you will. Uh, mm-hmm. I responded very positively to that book as well. This idea of feeling <laughs> displaced and then finding this kind of paradise is uh is oh god it just really speaks to me so um 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that so that worked out on all levels. You also have the opportunity to jump into the world of Harry Potter uh, at will. All right. You also have had a successful uh, alternate universe career, uh, and I use the word universe aptly because as an astronaut, you have uh, experienced yes. life beyond this planet as we know it. Side note, I finally got around to watching the Flat Earth documentary on Netflix, and it was infuriating oh, and no. fascinating, but well worth watching. <laughs> um and uh, and then that leaves us with um, a, a, a couple of other pieces of good news, uh, one of which is that you have uh, access to unlimited Taco Bell with zero ne- negative ramifications, right. which that's kind of saying a lot. Um, and all of this, to <laughs> me, again, it just makes sense that of everyone that you ended up with, this idea of you going to your punk prom uh we're just going to cast Justin aside for a second, even though I said you were going with him because this idea of you going to a punk prom as an adult with doc holiday really works. It just really, really, it works. really does. Right. I see it. I see him coughing up a piece mm-hmm. of his lung in his like Western punk rock outfit, because that's exactly what he was wearing. He was like very punk rock for the wild west. And uh-huh. this is going to be yep. a fantastic night to remember. I love this. So, I love so, this yeah. whole, I'm, I'm on board. <laughs> yeah, this is all, it just all flows. It's all very like punk rock fantasy world um, from, from start to finish, up to and including Unlimited Taco Bell. Um, so uh, <laughs> so thank you. Cindy, thank you so much for doing the podcast. This has been a, a pleasure and a joy. I uh, In a perfect world, it would be in person. So maybe we'll have the opportunity to do fun stuff together in uh, real life. Um, but for the meantime, what a pleasure and a joy. Thank you again. Aww. Thank you so much for having me. This has been absolutely so much fun. It's been wonderful. Thank you. Yay. Okay, cool. Um, and uh, and for the rest of you guys, I will talk to you next time on the podcast. All right, friends, that's it. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. I just want to take this opportunity to remind you to support the JV Club with a monthly membership by going to MaximumFun.org slash donate now. Once you do, you're going to be so happy and excited, Jasper, if I could just borrow this from you. You're going to find yourself making this sound. Until, until you have an exorcism. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.